Hello and welcome to Filling the Sink, a podcast from Catalan News. I'm Lorcan Doherty and today we're talking about movie director J.A. Bayona. J.A., Juan Antonio, Jota, whatever you want to call him, Bayona is one of the leading lights of Catalan cinema. After cutting his teeth in Catalonia with the horror flick The Orphanage, he's gone on to Hollywood, handpicked by Steven Spielberg to direct Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. And recently, he directed the first two episodes of what is said to become the most expensive television series ever made, The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. On today's podcast, we're going to hear from the man himself. We caught up with J.A. on the red carpet at the 2023 Gaudia Awards here in Barcelona. And we talked to two of his former teachers to find out if he was always destined for success. I'm delighted to be joined today by Gerard Escatchfolk. Hi, Gerard. Hello, Lorcan. Gerard, why don't you start by giving us a bit of a brief overview of J.A. Bayona's movies? Well, I've watched nearly all of them, so <laughs> I have a clear idea. No, so he first directed The Orphanage in 2007. Then he moved up to a bigger movie, The Impossible, then A Monster Calls, and then we also have Jurassic World, A Fallen Kingdom. So there are different movies, different genres, and all very, very special, I would say. Tell us a little about The Orphanage, saying this is his first movie from back in 2007, as you said. So it's basically a horror film. Yeah, very scary and mysterious, creepy. There's not a lot of blood and gore. It's more suspense and intrigue. And it basically, it's a haunted house film. And because a woman returns to an old orphanage where she was raised and to set up a new orphanage for children with disabilities. But things don't go as planned. But it was a big success, critically, and uh, as well at the box office. On a budget of only $4 million, it made almost $80 million. We were looking at some of the reviews there. Deeply unnerving, surprisingly poignant, atmospheric, beautifully crafted. So, yeah, um, uh, it went down very well. His first movie was in Spanish. Since then, he's moved to English language films. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a film that Bayona is clearly very proud of. Filling the Sink caught up with him on the red carpet a couple of weeks ago at the 2023 Gaudí Awards which is the Catalan equivalent of the Oscars. Here is J.A. Bayona. Bueno, yo recuerdo amor de cariño, sobre todo, la estrena de El Orfanato al Festival de Sitges. I have very fond memories of the screening of the Orphanage at Sitges Film Festival. It was a very special night because I had grown up going to the festival every year. And to be at Sitges with my movie, it was even more thrilling for me than going to Cannes, the most important festival in the world and where we premiered the movie. I think this is one of my fondest memories from when I started out. J.A. Bayona there, uh, talking about the Sitges Film Festival. Uh, that's an annual horror and fantasy film festival that takes place every year on the seaside town, just about, what, half an hour south of us here in Barcelona. Lovely spot if you ever get a chance to go. Jared, let's take a step back. How did this all begin for J.A.? Well, back in Barcelona 1975, he was born that year, in La Trinitat, a working-class neighbourhood on the outskirts of the city, and imagine how proud and how fond he is from like being raised there that his production company is named Latrini. 
just like in, a nickname for Trinidad. Trinidad yeah. Okay. And he currently, and after being in Hollywood and working in blockbusters, he currently lives here in Barcelona and just travels to LA. He's still a homeboy, still a homeboy. And I think he has a twin and there's a funny story. <laughs> yeah, well, many of <laughs> many funny stories between Carlos, his twin, and Juan Antonio. The first one and the most notorious one was back in 2007 when he was nominated for the Best New Director at the Goya Awards, the Spanish Academy Awards. They were so similar. The camera guy that was supposed to point at uh, Juan Antonio ended up pointing at Carlos. And you can see them literally live before the nomination, the winners announced saying, oh, no, it's him, it's him. It's hilarious. It's it's a brilliant video. Uh, It's on YouTube. Uh, Carlos is just like pointing like, no, no, it's not me. It's not me. And in the end, they actually swap seats because like the the, the, the camera person is just like not for moving. It's it's hilarious. It's so funny. so he grew up in La Trinidad uh, with a twin. And um, when it came to deciding what he was going to do with his life, uh, he wasn't always set for this career no, as a movie director. No, exactly. He wanted to be one of us, a journalist. He, he, could, have, he could have been here doing this podcast and instead have, of... And we could have one on a Goya and a Gaudi. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So he, so he did think about, he did consider becoming a journalist, but he always had a big love of movies too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his father was one of his main eye-openers to the movie industry. And in fact, Mexican director and producer Guillermo del Toro was also part of this success. Juan Antonio Bayona met him, well, interviewed him when he was doing local radio practices. So, uh-huh. And that was like years before The Orphanage, so uh, imagine. The Orphanage, which then Guillermo del Toro uh, was a producer on. So, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you know, he's del Toro, the Mexican director, he's done the Hellboy films, Pan's Labyrinth, which is a beautiful film. And recently uh, out on Netflix, the, his Pinocchio, I think it's called yeah. something like Guillermo del Toro's uh, Pinocchio, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, very Just funny. so you don't... Uh, it's not Disney, it's so, Guillermo yeah, del Toro's. exactly, so you don't mix it up. So in the end, he didn't study journalism. No, because his university entry exams marks were not enough to study journalism. So he ended up working and to earn money, like his father did, painting and decorating, to pay the fees for SCAC, the Cinema and Audiovisual School of Catalonia. Well, journalism's loss was certainly Catalan cinema's gain, world cinema's gain. Uh, speaking of SCAC, this uh, Cinema and Audiovisual School of Catalonia, uh, it seems that young J.A. was a model student there, as uh, Killian Shields found out, speaking to his former teachers, Jaume Macia Vives and Juan Marimont Padrosa. It's easy to look at the career of J.A. Bayona through the lens of today and see the enormous success he has already achieved. His feature-length films have already taken in well over a billion euro at the box office, having been seen and enjoyed by countless people all over the world. But that, of course, is only the result of a lifetime of hard work and dedication to his craft. So we wanted to get a better picture of what kind of filmmaker, what kind of worker, and even what kind of person Bayona is. So we went to Terrassa, a city just inland from Barcelona, to visit his old film school, Escac. There we met up with Jaume Macià, Director of Studies at Catalonia's premier film school, who taught Bayona dramaturgy, stories of universal themes, when the director attended the school during the 1990s. Macià says Bayona was an excellent student. He admits that there exists something of a mythology, that it is the bad students who go on to become brilliant artists. But Macià makes it clear that in 
Bayona's case, as well as being a brilliant artist, he always showed he was a great student, never missing classes and always working hard. Escac isn't exactly the cheapest school to attend, and the now world-famous director didn't come from a particularly wealthy family either, as Masia explains. As such, the professor thinks this is what led to Bayona wanting to make the very best use of his time there. Whenever he saw that time was being wasted, he got angry. One day, Bayona even came to Masia's office to ask for certain changes to improve ways of working and make the best use of everybody's time. As well as Masia, we also spoke with Juan Marimon over Zoom, who taught Bayona the theory of editing. <laughs> no, it's it's easy to say he was really good, he was fantastic, but it's true. <laughs> he was very intelligent, very smart. In in the first class, first day, first class, I was talking about the, the law of 180 degrees and I commit a, a mistake. I don't remember which one. And one of the pupils said, Mr. Juan, did you say that? Are you sure that you are <laughs> telling that seriously? And and that was Mr. Bayona. And that was the first class. And I thought, I have to take care with that guy because, <laughs> because he's really smart, smarter than me. The Barcelona-born artist always demanded the highest standards from himself and from those around him. And Masia believes that this characteristic has served him very well in the professional world, making Bayona a good leader, capable of getting the very best performances from his team. He's like Steven Spielberg, like Spanish Steven Spielberg. I mean, he's changing genres from adventures to fantastic to drama more or less like Steven Spielberg. He's very interested in getting the interest of the audience from the first minute, and he knows how to do it. Bayona always thinks about the story he's trying to tell, Masia says. He's always got the audience in mind. He's a filmmaker that is not concerned about doing crazy stuff, as Masia terms it, just to show off to the world that he can do it. I think he's a classic filmmaker. He likes classic structures. There's a classic style, like, I think it's like an American filmmaker in Spain. Bayona has always tried to orientate his works for the audience. Comedy, fantasy, science fiction. He's liked doing that from the very start and he hasn't changed much, the dramaturgy teacher says. But Masia adds that Bayona is a very versatile filmmaker, capable of everything, citing The Impossible as a tremendous work of drama. Our thanks to ESCAC, Director of Studies, Jaume Masia Vives, and uh, Juan Marimont Padrosa, a professor there as well, who both uh, taught the young J.A. Bayona. We talked about his first film, Gerard. He then kind of made a big jump 
in kind of scale and ambition with his next mm-hmm. movie, which was The Impossible in mm-hmm. 2012. Mm-hmm. Switching from Spanish to English. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting. It's Because it, this was a, a Spanish production, but it was... About filmed, a Spanish family? Because uh, based on a true story, the 2004 Indian Ocean tsunami, um, mm-hmm. there's a family there, they get caught up uh, in that. Mm-hmm. They're spending the Christmas holidays in Thailand. But yeah, it's, it's on a very big scale, but Jared, it's not... At the same time, it's not your typical bombastic disaster movie, is it? Well, yes, in a part, only in the huge wave that hits the swimming pool where the family is like spending their holidays there. Then it becomes a human family. I don't know, like you get goosebumps only just imagining like just the story and the tale of like the kids trying to survive trying to chase their father and their and the other brother and they're all trying to find each other and <laughs> you know they don't know if all, everyone in the family has made it and things like mm-hmm. that but the, the the scene that you mentioned when the tsunami hits is just absolutely incredible mm-hmm. as well uh, but no it's not one i watched it just recently and it's not one for the for if you're squeamish i would say maybe not because there's lots of like you know real Visceral, mm-hmm. physical depictions of of injuries as well. I was I was squirming about watching it. Yeah, well, they were like drowning. Some of them, they were yeah. drowning just like with all the trees and the cars. And in fact, I got to see that moment of like the wave hitting the swimming pool in Skak. Funny enough, right? Okay, yeah, because I went uh, for a school trip there, and they showed us this big, big mixing desk, enormous, like. Still haven't seen anything as big as that in a soundproof room, like with a big screen. And they were like, they showed me the various channels of the sound of the audio mix from the movie, and uh, specifically from that scene. Fascinating. So well, like, the birds tweeting, the wave, everything. Like it was all in different various channels of sound. All the, all the different layers together. That's a really nice experience. That's a good school trip. Mm-hmm. Um, I still remember it yeah. years after. And uh, the I mean the sound. I mean we were just looking at all the awards. It won. It actually won awards for the for the sound as well best sound at the Gaudi Awards and the Goyas Awards I think we've mentioned both award ceremonies but those are like the Catalan and the Spanish equivalents of the Oscars yeah and in fact the movie received a lot of awards back then uh, six Gaudis including best director nominations for best picture at the Goyas best director and best editing who won the award and also just funny enough Naomi Watts the main actress was nominated for the Oscars the Golden Gloves and the Goya but she She, didn't win any of them but she was brilliant in it Naomi Watts Ewan McGregor is in a place of as well and a young Tom, Tom Holland, Holland who Tom Holland. is actually really really good he uh, looks about 12 in it I think he's yeah, he's he plays Lucas a 12 year old kid uh-huh. but he's actually 16 yeah I didn't actually realise it was him until the credits came up and I was like oh yeah of course right I know that guy is famous now yeah. <laughs> But, I mean, it was a huge success as well at the box office. Almost $200 million it made. And it's such a jump from the orphanage to that in terms of... I mean, it's a significant jump in box office, but in terms of the budget, he went from a $4 million movie to a $45 million movie. (laughs) Yeah, so it's... Yeah. so that's the impossible. If you want to see it, it's on in Spain anyway. It's on Disney Plus and Netflix. After that came a monster calls. Let's hear JA speak about that. Això mai ho saps. Mai saps de veritat si una pel·lícula funcionarà, no funcionarà. You never really know if a film is going to work or not. 
A Monster Calls was the most successful film of the year in Spain, but abroad it didn't do well. So the same movie can be a great success or a failure at the box office. I think the only thing you can really control is the quality. Try to do your job as best as possible and I think, I hope, that this, the work I've done, is what people have seen when I've had offers to work abroad. J.A. Bayona talking there about how do you measure success, failure. Because uh, interestingly, yeah, this particular film, A Monster Calls, it did make a profit, but I think, well, the budget was 43 million euro. At the box office, it made 47.3 million euro. Less than his other works. But, you know, as he says, you just concentrate, as an artist, you concentrate on the quality. You just do your job and uh, hope that people like it and and uh, moviegoers in Spain liked it but yeah abroad especially in the US it didn't really it didn't really pick up so it's a dark fantasy drama mm. Gerard mm-hmm. Liam Neeson starring beside Sigourney Weaver Felicity Jones yeah great cast yeah great cast and again we see the theme of a mother and a child like we've seen in The Impossible The Orphanage yeah so that seems to be a subject that binds those three first three films of Bionis together because mm-hmm. was the mother and child relationship each time uh, in this particular one we've kind of got an angry young boy uh, his mother is is sick she's dying mm-hmm. yeah she's undergoing chemo and Liam Neeson plays the monster of the title a tree and it's recorded using motion capture it's it's for his first experience using motion capture. Yeah, so he comes to visit this little boy mm-hmm. at seven minutes past midnight and tells him three tales. And in return, the boy has to tell him one. It, it kind of reminded me a bit. We mentioned Del Toro earlier, and it reminded me of Guillermo Del Toro's Pan's Labyrinth a little bit because this mixing of reality and fantasy and especially how that happens in the mind of a child and kind of their way of dealing with outside adult uh, stresses and things, you know? Yeah, some experts, some movie critics may say that Guillermo del Toro is one of his influences, but also Steven Spielberg. Uh-huh. He was an admirer of Spielberg. And in fact, in The Orphanage, one of the reviews I read recently said that he had a lot of influences, especially from E.T. So Bayona was a fan of Spielberg, but it turns out that Spielberg was also a fan of Bayona. Yeah, exactly. Spielberg wanted for Bayona to direct the first movie of the three new movies from Jurassic World. But because Juan Antonio Bayona was recording uh, A Monster Calls, he said no, because he wanted to focus on that project. But he did do one eventually? Yeah, because Spielberg asked him again for the second movie, and Bayona said, well, you cannot say no to Spielberg twice, so... Okay, well, so this was his kind of first big Hollywood film. So, uh, again, here is J.A. Bayona talking about that. Bueno, de fet jo vaig fer el salt dels Estats Units molt tard, perquè jo abans de fer uh, Jurassic World, que va ser la primera pel·lícula americana, in fact, I made the leap to the US very late because before doing Jurassic World, which was the first American film I did, in fact, the only real American film I've ever made, I did three films, three films produced here at home. And I think they prepared me for that massive change, going to make films in Hollywood, which is a world that I didn't know. J.A. talking about the leap to Hollywood there, I mean... We've been talking a little bit about uh, how the, his budgets have grown with each film. The difference with this one is just insane, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, I can not even say the number. $1.3 billion it took at the box office. Like It's just on a complete other scale. So this is for Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, which is the middle film in the most recent Jurassic <laughs> you wanna, trilogy. It's the 12th highest grossing film of all time. 
I have to say, I haven't seen it. You know, I'm more about I'm more about the original series. So I remember the, the one from 2015, Jurassic World, the normal one. Have, I haven't seen any of the new ones. Uh, uh, there are previous ones. The, the, <laughs> the, the, the original <laughs> Jurassic Park. You know, I remember going to the cinema as a very very excited young boy. So uh, yeah, since then, no, I haven't really watched. Those well, I, no, I didn't watch the first one. Yeah, you what? probably weren't even alive, were no, you? No, I was not even you alive. You weren't alive. There you go. So. It's still three years to go. Well, tell us about tell us about Fallen Kingdom then. <laughs> well, Bayona Jurassic World recovers one of the actors from the original movies, Jeff Goldblum. Oh, brilliant! Yeah, classic. Yeah. Well, so he's performing beside Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard, and the plot of the movie is that they have to return to the island where Jurassic World started and mm-hmm. then it collapsed to save the dinosaurs because there's an impending volcano eruption. Yeah. And when they arrive there, they can see a group of mercenaries trying to kidnap, we could say kidnap the dinosaurs <laughs> to bring them to U.S. mainline. Right, okay. So I you know just hearing that description of it, I can imagine that Bayona is the perfect man for the job, having seen his other films, because the effects in, in The Impossible or mm-hmm. in A Monster Calls are kind of perfect for that kind of scenario that you've, that you've just described, you know. And, and yeah, as you said, big success at the box office, but he didn't return for the third film. No, that was done by Colin Trevorrow, the director of the also the first Jurassic World movie, because Bayona decided to go to New Zealand <laughs> to record the Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power, which just came up. Just out last year. Yeah. Uh, it's out in Prime Video. And, I mean, super big budget production. It could run to five series. It's kind of a prequel series to the Lord of the Rings movies. So it's set in an age before that. It's a TV series, but it's cinematic in its scale and its ambition. And obviously we've got the New Zealand uh, mountains and the rest, like providing the backdrop yeah, that again. that landscape is natural. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of mountains, actually, Bayona's next project takes place in the Andes. Again, based on a true story like The Impossible, based on a disaster. Here he is, again, talking to Filling the Sink about that. Bueno, estic en, ara mateix estic, estic muntant la película que vaig rodar l'any passat. Vaig rodar la, la Sociedad de la Nieve, una película que està basada... Right now, I'm editing the movie that I shot last year, Society of the Snow, a film based on the plane crash that happened in 1973 in the Andes. We spent all last year filming it. We finished shooting just before Christmas, and now we are in the edit, and doing the sound, the special effects, and so on. It's also a really tricky movie technically, but we are very happy with the result. So that's Society of the Snow out this year on Netflix. Yeah, actually, I'm really looking forward to that because it's a fascinating story, that plane crash, 1972 in the Andes. It was a rugby team that crashed and it's uh, pretty horrific stuff, uh, not least because... In order to survive, uh, they had to resort to cannibalism and actually consuming the dead bodies of the other passengers, most of them who they knew. So absolutely horrific story, but also, you know, uh, a survival film as well. That's coming out this year. And beyond that, well, we'll have to keep an eye out for what J.A. Bayona does. I mean, that journey that we've seen him go on from, you know, Iskak to Hollywood and making these big productions, uh, not too many Catalans have made that leap. No, exactly. There are other directors, just as Jaume Coulet Serra, who is the director of Black Adam, starring Dwayne Johnson, also known as The Rock, who was also starring another movie by Jaume Coulet Serra, Jungle Cruise, came Jungle out Cruise, in 2021. Right. 
And in fact, Kujet Serra is very well known for working with Liam Neeson on The Commuter, Run All Night, Nonstop, and unknown so many movies. Right, four films with Liam Neeson. There <laughs> you go. And we've also got Daniel Brühl, who, you, you know, German surname, but uh, Catalan connection. Yeah, his mother is Catalan, his father is German. And he's very well known for playing the bad guys in movies. <laughs> Captain America Civil War, Marvel, Inglorious Bastards by Quentin Tarantino. For Catalans of an older generation, Gerard, the name Xavier Cugat uh, brings up this uh, image of Hollywood splendor and everything. But he wasn't a director and he wasn't an actor. No, no. Movies were still black and white. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he appeared in several movies starring as himself, leading an orchestra because he was a music director. Uh-huh. So he also took part in several movies as a music director. And so he did the music for the films and he played himself. He was kind of a bit of a, a celebrity <laughs> too. He moved in those circles. Uh, just looking at it, he was born on the 1st of January 1900. That's a nice day to be born. You know, mm-hmm. new century. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enter into this world. Time now for our Catalan phrase. What have we got this week, Gerard? C'est al dolent de la película. To be the baddie in the film? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Which, okay, I guess it means to be the baddie. To be the baddie, yeah. <laughs> to be the bad no. guy? <laughs> yeah. So you use it not only in movies, but also in real life experiences. Like if someone gives you something that you are not expecting, oh, he's a bad guy. Yeah, if you get some bad news or yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so se el dolent de la película. That's all we've got time for today. Thanks to J.A. Bayona for speaking to us on the red carpet. Uh, thanks to his former professors as well at ESCAC, Jaume Masia Vives and Juan Maribon Padrosa. Thanks to Killian Shields and thanks to you, Gerard. It's always a pleasure, you know that. <laughs> and thanks to you, everyone who is listening. Thanks for tuning in again to this podcast. We're back again with another episode of Filling the Sink next weekend. Uh, until then, from me, Lorca Doherty, and all of us here at Catalan News, bye for now. Adios.